Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey. Lock Talk Radio. Hey, everyone. This is Shane from the Barbershop Window Podcast. No music intro tonight as we're starting this on the fly, um, have a bunch of different things to talk about tonight, as we always do. I'm a, well, I'm awaiting my co-host, uh, JB, to give a call, and we also have a special guest caller who is at the live uh, ROH pay-per-view in Baltimore, which I'm really looking forward to hearing about that uh, experience that he had there at uh, ROH. Uh, uh, sh- should be good. And of course, we're going to touch on the Hulk Hogan uh, is a bigot controversy, which I'm sure could get uh, rather heated. I have my own opinions um, on the matter, of course, um, w- which I'll dive right into. And once again, this is the Barbershop Window Podcast, where you come for all your wrestling, professional wrestling, WWE, TNA. ROH, New Japan, all the the reviews, the opinions, the gossip, the news. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. We try to do this show regularly. Uh, sometimes we're not always on the mark, but we always have a good time doing it, and we always appreciate all the listeners. So let's get right into this Hulk Hogan uh, controversy. I know we're a little behind and it's been discussed uh, about ad infinitum lately. But, um, so the, okay, so as a white male um, in his early 30s, I am under the impression that I, that, that, that just in general, white people should really just shut up. They should not have an opinion on these things. It's always going to be wrong, and it's always going to come from, like, the worst perspective. Like, like white males, they have an opinion on, you know, they're the most vocal majority in the world. You always hear their opinions, their needs and concerns, and are represented very well in the media, all across the landscape of, 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 you know, the social environment, in every form of... um, um, just um, uh, multimedia communications, TV, radio, you know, radio still a thing, broadcast, all, all the blogs are always, it's its just white men have the lead say in any of these particular circumstances. And it's just like, shut up, man. Like, so I'm doing this like podcast and obviously we don't, you know, we, we have, some of the biggest lists in their base, but it's always something that's interesting. I mean, in terms of opinions, and I don't even want to express one. Like, what's the point? It's just going to be wrong anyway. Thinking about you know a sixty-plus old white man that 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 said the N-word, 
And I, I just come from a perspective of that, that nobody really has an honest conversation about race. It, it's sad, but it's just sort of true. I think it, it, things, in fact, nobody has an honest conversation about it. Here's what I'll say about the professional uh, aspect of what happened. In my opinion, it really truly seems like this was a situation that could have been very easily um, fixed. I mean, the reason being, like, Hogan, when he, like, as much as, see, I don't even like going down this road, but Hogan was actually always sort of portrayed as as um, somebody that really treated the the black wrestlers and over in the locker room, you know, his day and age very well. Um, and he even had other people like come to his defense, like some of the black wrestlers, like, like Virgil, um, not the most credible source, but I'm sure the point I'm trying to make is I'm sure the WWE could have had much better, you know, they could have rallied that sort of, you know, those troops like the black wrestlers in the locker room to come behind Hulk Hogan and give him the, you know, the, the AOK for lack of a better term. Um, and I don't think that would have been too much of a stress to kind of like make this happen. Um, but obviously, yeah, it didn't happen. So, so it's a weird thing to think about like, um, just the situation from that perspective. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to say that what he did was, what he said was despicable. It was, uh, indefensible. I mean, in terms of like the, uh, uh, you know, what he said, like, I I won't get into the transcript. Everybody's heard it right now. I mean, this is not something that you want to condone, obviously. And WWE has to distance themselves as much as possible. Um, and they did that to the extreme. They totally wiped him come clean of the, you know, they pulled him off the website. Um, they took him down from the Hall of Fame, although apparently they didn't take him down from the actual Hall of Fame. He's just down off the website. So I guess more is going to kind of come to terms about, like, what's been eventually happening um, and where his role is going to be in history. But you cannot tell the story of the WWE or pro wrestling in general without Hulk Hogan. So it's obviously going to be very awkward, you know, when they do. And the WWE Network is, uh, it's basically a program. I don't know what the word for it. Network, I guess, is the correct word. But it, they're developing as an institution based on the history of the WWE. So it's going to be interesting that you can't tell that complete story. You can't do these documentaries. You can't do these commentary type shows without acknowledging the, you know, the arguably the face, the the greatest superstar, the most well, I won't say greatest in this particular case anywhere, but the most popular the most profitable, the most marketable superstar that the WWE ever had. So it just puts the WWE in a really awkward situation. 
Did they do the right thing by distancing themselves completely from Hogan? Yes. They had to completely get in front of this story, especially in these crazy times of race relations in the United States, and, and, and put a distance between themselves and Hogan. Um, n- now, did they have to, could they have fought this? Could they have taken a stance of, and really stood behind Hulk Hogan? Yes, I think they could have and could have made a case for that. So, I mean, there's different sides of both tales. Um, I believe my co-host, Jim Carr, is now on the line. One of the things that I was going to get into in commentating about this is just the nature of the corporate offices of the WWE. And one thing that I think there is that the WWE is a predominantly Caucasian, Caucasian white atmosphere which is going to lead me to my next point, but I just want to uh, uh, bring in JB to the conversation who's actually had experience in the WWE offices. Uh, JB, would you describe the corporate offices at WWE as, as being uh, very white? Um, yeah, well, I feel like it's an accusatory thing I'm saying by saying that, but I yeah, so we discussed it once before on the podcast. I, I interviewed there. I was there for about three hours. And I was in the, the fourth floor, as they call it there. You know, I walked by the boardroom. I walked by Triple H's office. So I walked. I, I talked to um, a variety of HR people. I talked to John Laurinaitis. I talked to another talent relations head there. Um, and I would say that my entire experience there, I'm pretty sure I only talked to white people. So... <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you know, you take that for what you will. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily like accuse them of anything by saying that, but like, yeah, that's, you, you asked me a question. That's the answer. <laughs> and JB, when you say, uh, you predominantly only talk to white people, you were not describing your average day. You were describing your experience at the WWE headquarters, correct? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in Connecticut, you know, so. Except for what it I is. mean, you work but, for uh, hedge fund, for Christ's sake. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I work in finance. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, not not any different from any other guy. I mean, I certainly wasn't right. like, oh, there's so many white people here. This is crazy. <laughs> this is confusing. <laughs> no, nothing. You never said that, right? Or, right. or uh, you know, no, no, nothing. No, never uh, said anything like that or thought anything like that. I thought it was uh, par for the course, <laughs> as we say up here in right. County, Connecticut. Right, right, right. <laughs> Jimmy, that was a normal office experience to have only white people, is what you're yes, saying. Yes, all whites. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's and that'll be the perspective I come from when I talk about this. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, I almost feel like it's. I mean, how are you going to say anything that's going to be the right thing to say about this? Uh, I don't. You know. Well, I mean, I started and. Um, like what I was saying was like as a an I'll see if you agree with me, but it's like okay, as a white male, a white male early thirties, um, you know, come I don't think there's anything that I like and this almost like you could almost describe as like a racist comment or um something like this, but I I almost see it from perspective of white males. Okay, like white people can add nothing to this conversation. 
Yeah, yeah, that was, that was kind immediately of... what I was thinking when I thought about us talking about it on the podcast. Was like, what are the two of us as two whites in our thirties really going to say about this that has like any meaning or like any kind of? I, I don't know. It, yeah, it's just we're, we're it, like, there's no way we're going to say the right thing about it. We could easily be criticized from any angle. <laughs> but um. Yeah, and I started off by saying, just saying, like, I really think, like, and all you're hearing, like, like about, you know, this Hogan controversy during the whole thing, it's just other white people saying, like, Kevin Nash came up saying, oh, he's never said a racial slur. I think, like, Jake <laughs> the Snake Roberts saying so. Like, all these other white people, like, commenting on this issue. And, and all I feel like saying is, God, just shut up. Like white people are so like ubiquitous. They they're everywhere. You you can't like you can't stub your toe without bumping into a white person. Like their opinions are all over the media landscape. It's just like <laughs> shut up. Let some other demographic like comment on this. And here's like a serious racial issue of like a pop i like a pop meat culture icon, like saying horrible racist stuff on camera. And all you still get are stupid white people commenting on it. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. can't think of a black person saying anything about this. Um, and the reason why I'm, I'm like, pushing this issue, because uh, uh, JB, our friend Justin, who was at the ROH show, is going to call in, and he just happens to be black. Uh, no offense. Like, that's just what he is, black. You know, no offense to anyone. But, uh... Uh, so he's going to call it. So, so I wanted to get his opinion on this. But I just think it's... And where I was going, just from having, you know, African-American friends and, and, and talking about this, with, where I was going, I think that in the WWE headquarters, if there were maybe two or three, like, you know, African-Americans, like black people that worked there, cooler heads might have prevailed. That's just my gut than of completely erasing Hogan from the library. This is, this is just my gut. This is just my instinct. That like, that it, that like, sort of like, uh, African-Americans, black people weren't thinking that this was the worst arm again, the worst thing to happen or, yeah, it's terrible. I'm not defending this guy in any stretch of the imagination. But then again, to say that this isn't expected from, a six-year-old white person, I don't think it's too irrational to say. Right. Well, yeah, and I, I almost feel like that's the only, I like, can obviously condemn the comments and all that, and you can say that, but sometimes, like, even people like us who are you know, white don't have, like, any experience, like, suffering from racism. Like, <laughs> right, right. Um, like, our condemnation sometimes can just not be complete. You know what I mean? Like, that'll be criticized. So, like, I'd rather just not even say it. <laughs> about it like right yeah yeah it's like oh yeah so you can say are so i think the most interesting thing about it is just yeah the wwe reaction to it i think is almost in the, like thinking in the same way that that i like like walking on eggshells like i just am right now um it's like we are going to make sure that no one thinks there's any chance in hell we want anything to do with this <laughs> and then we're going to take them off the network. We're going to take them off 
every well, they didn't take them completely off the network, but you know what I mean. They took them off the website, and um, I think that's probably just a short-term thing, just to, like not have Vince McMahon answer questions about race, because God knows the history of wrestling is like pretty rough there. If you want to, you want to go into it. Um, so. You know, I from that perspective, I think it was the appropriate thing to do. I mean, I've seen them, I've seen them uh, like commended for their their approach to it so far. So, I guess it's working out. Um, it, you know, yeah. certainly, it seems to me. I think there was a little attempt early to drag WWE's name through the mud uh, on this, um, but I don't think any of that stuck. It's just all the stories about Hulk, and, and really, that that seems to be dying out a little bit. But. Um, uh, you know, from from their perspective, I think that's what they're going to do. And then, yeah, the interesting thing also is, like, it's such a huge part of WWE history, such a huge part of WWE Network, the, the archives and everything. Um, how does that um, play out in the future? I mean, he's taken off the Hall of Fame and all that. I have a feeling, like, some of that stuff is going to be stored as, as the uh, the story starts to be less and less in the limelight, um, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tell you what. Let's sort of put this issue aside <laughs> for right now. <laughs> yeah, just, just temporarily until we maybe have a different uh, uh, opinion in the mix here. I, I'm kind of on the same, like, professionally, from a perspective of, of, like, kind of like a PR move, from a very professional sort of um, look at this issue, I think, in terms of, like, it was uh, really fixable, you know? You thought, it, you thought that there was some way to, you could find your way out of this. Absolutely. You don't think so? No. Like, I think there was... As soon as you start, like, trying to make some sort of justification for it, you're going to be thrown into, like, a very bad place. That's what I I would think. Not a justification. Like, the WWE on paper, they could send out their press release ever and not condone it at all. But then in the meantime, like, encourage The Rock and all of, like, the black superstars in the WWE to support Hulk Hogan. And then in, like... You know, Hulk Hogan makes a few statements. He donates some money to like a, a this is me. Be, uh, this is a very cynical view I'm taking. I'm not saying to do that, but I'm just saying like you you do this sort of thing. Like you have both, and then three months down the road, Hogan sort of like redeemed themselves, and everybody forgot the issue. That's the way I see. I also think they might have done like a cost benefit a cost benefit analysis and just realized, okay, you know, Hogan's not worth the superstar fame he's there, which I don't think is to correct analysis because they had to wipe him out of the network. I don't know. I I still stand by my like, opinion. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think that had a lot to do with it. The fact that Hogan really doesn't have that much um, to bring to them business wise anymore. I, I think that's okay. Out. I don't agree with that. Like he's a da- he's like a bit of a damaged brand, I guess, like the Hulk Hogan brand, I say. But um I mean they like, kind of and, to be honest, they kind of brought back his brand. Like 
they revived his brand after, you know, the mess that happened in TNA. Yeah. Um, and the whole, you know, yeah, I feel like they had brought that back. But, you know, I might, that's my opinion on it. I might be wrong about that. But what's funny is it's like I know, like, it's people are so forgiving to Hulk Hogan. Like, like you and me are even sort of like, like we're in that perfect yet where we're not really Generation X, we're not Millennials, we're like right in that like gas where it's like we could go in either direction sort of, and it's just like, and so we, you know, we didn't like, we grew up with Hogan definitely, but there's a whole generation of like our age, like like that were in high school watching Hulk Hogan that are going to be really forgiving of Hulk Hogan. I mean, just yeah. in terms of, like, what, yeah, really forgiving. Like, they'll accept him anytime. And then it's, like, people like me and you that, like, like I know, like, like you're not a racist. I'm, like, not a racist. You know what I mean? And that, that sort of thing is, like, we don't appreciate it all. That's, like, abhorrent, obviously. But we're even on the side of, like, yeah, like, I know he's an idiot. Like, I know the character who plays Hulk Hogan with, like, the yellow and red. Like, this this is acceptable. But I also know he's a moron, you know? So there's, like, a whole different side of the spectrum of, like, fans that are just going to kind of, like, forgive Hulk Hogan in this weird way. I don't know. Well, like, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not... Uh, I don't, I don't want to get too much of this. I, like, I'm very unsurprised that a 60-year-old guy in, in Florida uses uh, racial, uh, insensi- racially insensitive language. Like, I'm, like, not surprised by that. So, right. I think so. I, I don't know. I Maybe I should be more upset with it. I don't know. I'm not. But I was not. Uh, but the thing is, you know, I guess I remember, like, my first memories of wrestling are, yes, Hulk Hogan. But I... I, I don't know. I, I haven't been into like. I, I mean, he kind of annoyed me for years. Yeah, uh, I WCW. Re- like, I don't have like yeah. a favorable impression of him to begin with. <laughs> I guess you could say, yeah, back I, in the childhood days, yeah, that's what I thought they were wrestling. But like, as I got into wrestling over the years, I like, I yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to see him anymore. I, I didn't want to see him before this. So I, I don't want to see him after it. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny, because I kind of remember, like, even, like, thinking that I like Hulk Hogan, and just remembering, like, even as a kid, like, knowing that Hulk Hogan sucked, right? <laughs> like, I didn't want to see him on TV, and I didn't like him. Like, I remember, like, having vivid thoughts, like, God, this is terrible. Like, bring back, like, Macho Man. I remember thinking he was he sucked in the ring, and I didn't want to see him. So, I don't know. You know, it's all nostalgia, but whatever. Yeah, I think it'd be yeah, I think it'd be a more interesting discussion to say like uh, who actually liked Hulk Hogan before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, so, anyway, yeah, I can't think of a time I did. I mean, there was I remember he, uh, you know, the NWO thing that was like a shock that he turned heel, and then like that lasted for like six months before I was like, this guy can't work, and I don't want to see him in the ring. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? Yeah, and then he had the match with the Rock at WrestleMania, where like everyone kind of had the nostalgic thing and rooted for him. Uh, even if, but uh, I don't know, I, I really care for him. In this like last twenty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
anyway, okay, so let's move on from that uh, for, for right now. Um, and uh, But that's something we had to touch on, obviously. My prediction, if I had to make some, like, prediction on this, is Hogan's, like, inevitably going to be back. Um, just oh, if kind I of what I'm thinking. about that, I completely agree. I think that, um, you know, any of the stuff that he's been thrown out of uh, the last week, I feel he'll be, he'll be back in a year from now. I, I, yeah. I don't think he'll be on, like, Raw a year from now. You think he could be on like tough enough? Let's say tough enough season lasts for like a whole year. He'd be back in that like no, I don't think he'd enough. be like in a promoted position like that. But I mean, like as far as like being on the website, being part of the history of the WWE, I think yeah, I think that'll take like a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll he'll be back. Like we just know, and he's proven. Like I know there's been like terrible stories about him, like trying to commit suicide and everything, like obviously, but he's also proven to be a pretty resilient guy. <laughs> you know, he's come back from a lot. Um, so I guess if he just walks through this thing, um, uh, he'll be back in the WWE's good graces, uh, eventually. Anyway, so let's move on from this, um, JB, another thing that um, is definitely grabbing our attention lately is the uh, the G1 climax. The uh, the the G1 climax that has started in our favorite promotion, which is a uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and I think we're. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say now, is it fair to say that we are just huge marks? Of, of New Japan for wrestling, and that has to be like a caveat to all the superlatives we're going to give. <laughs> yeah, it's very annoying. It's very annoying to talk about. I mean, the the the. I mean, JB, maybe you can give like a little background on what the G1 Climax is, because I know you've been following it really closely, like in terms of the days, like when it's starting and when it's going to end. Um, the one thing that I wanted to really uh highlight is that the the superstar the uh the the one true highlight the standout of the g1 climax this year has unequivocally been that of uh toru yanu who is uh uh jb just hysterical and uh the living end of uh of New Japan Pro Wrestling is just a riot, uh the consummate performer. And uh I will be buying all of his DVDs because I appreciate the hustle as a as as the true salesman of the New Japan Pro Wrestling. But he's just been uh one of my favorite entertainers and performers in the G one. Maybe someone could sort of shine some light. I know he's an old character. You know, I've just been getting accustomed to the past two, three years. Like I never, but I feel like he's he's completely over, really catching on with the crowd. Um, but I've just uh, been really entertained watching Toriyanu with. Uh, I've something to say about the match with Tenzin. But um, before I get deeper into uh, that. Uh, JV, when, when, can you maybe just like describe a little bit of the G1 climate? Like, when does it start and how long it's going to go? I, like, I know you know that. Right, yeah. So, we're so far, as of today, we're, we've gone through seven shows of the G1 climax. So, 
and that, that goes back about um, Sunday of last week. So I think like ten, eleven days. They've done seven. Maybe a mere uh, a mere seven four-hour shows, correct? Seven uh, four-hour shows <laughs> in the last ten, eleven days. Uh, so, yeah, that's and somehow. We should, we should joke uh, about how much WWE tried to take up uh, way too much. Of right, right, right. Um, but they did. They, the way they set it up is kind of interesting. I mean, well, this is a new setup this year. So last year, the, I guess I start with the G1. And first of all, this is 20 wrestlers, um, and they were separated into two blocks, and then they do a round robin style within those blocks. And then whoever has the best record at the end of those nine matches in each block ends up uh, facing each other in the finals, which will happen, I believe, on August 16th. And um, so they're going through that. And it used to be they did just every one of those singles matches every night of these shows. Um, at least that's how they did it last year. And this year they're doing it where... Uh, they separate it between blocks, so there's five singles matches every night. Um, so the A block has their five singles matches and the B block the next night. And then it's pretty much every night uh, with a couple of breaks <laughs> here and there. <laughs> it's like, sure. uh, like the Major League Baseball. And, um, right. Uh, so it's intensive if you want to, like, follow it. Um, I mean, my way of getting around it is I just, I know the matches I want to see, so I kind of watch those and then I'll read the spoilers and then if anything like really interests me from that I'll I'll go back. So um but the, the thing you get is it, I think it's really just an interesting tournament in that from your American style booking where like you can really go crazy about a guy like losing a match thinking like he's lost his momentum in like American style booking. But within this format it almost like it doesn't mean that much because overall the tournament and your standing within the tournament is the thing that matters at the end of the day. And like there's tons of upsets that happen. So there's guys you would never expect to get over another guy that happened all the time. And like it, it becomes a very interesting show for that reason. Like each particular night we'll have maybe one or two of those. Uh, so I've enjoyed that. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, you're, I, I would go as far as to say, I mean, this is how big a New Japan, New Japan mark I am. The top four in New Japan are, with Lesnar, are the top five wrestlers in the world, period. Uh, so you get those guys in matches, sometimes in matches against each other, you know, match of the year candidates. Uh, and then there's also, like, even below that, they have those top four guys. They have guys that... Um, are right there with those guys that they're they're pushing even still like it's kind of it's it, well that that piece of it I think is completely foreign to anything in America. Well, like, JB, actually, the idea that you would have four stars like, and then you would try to push yeah. more stars like doesn't happen. <laughs> right, right. JB, describe like who are those stars that are like that are there right now, and then then maybe give us like those mid carders that are could get some surprise victories. I mean, if you had to categorize them, who, who are like the the stars? Let's put it this way. I'll ask like three consecutive questions. JB, who are the stars that are the potentials to win it? Yeah, well, I think there's, you have your big four, but what happens is one of the big four is Okada, and he has the title, 
And typically, the guy who has the title never wins the G1. So, Okada, Nakamura, um, Tanahashi, and Styles are the big four. And those guys could main event. You know, you put any of those two in a main event in a pay per view, uh, they're gonna they're gonna be a match of the year candidate. Like that's how it works. So um, that's where you start off with those those top four. And then below that, you kind of have these rising stars like um, Shibata, Obushi. Um, I mean, I get those are like your oh, oh and Naito, of course. Um, those are like your three real rising stars. And then, um, and then they have a couple other guys below that that are um, either rising stars or kind of pretty dependable, like Ishii and, and Panma is like a rising star, like really over with the crowd. Um, then after that, it tails off a little bit, to me anyway. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing somebody. But, uh, but that, those, are, those are the top guys. And who are like those mid-carders that could break in? Well, yeah, I would say, I would say like Shibata and, Ab- and Abushi. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But there's no there's no level of below that that could sort of no there's nothing that exists that like that. Well, which yeah, you have a lot of guys in the in this twenty that are um, like veterans, like really old guys. Like so, they from my understanding of the culture there is like they kind of have a reverence for some of the older guys. So they're in there and they're very over like guys like, um, Kojima and, uh, you know, uh, Tenzan and these guys. Um, uh, yeah. they're not really interesting. Um, and then there's a lot of guys on the bullet club <laughs> that are in there that are, um, right. Right. That are not really good wrestlers, but they're right. pretty, pretty <laughs> they're American. So, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. So most of the bullet club, they're guys fat Americans. Yeah, exactly. I I remember when I was watching the uh, the show, like like they do a really nice production in in New Japan, and they did like sort of a conference, like the way like um a like a not a weigh in, but the pre fight like promotion conferences that they do in boxing and the UFC, and they did one for the G G one climax. And all the Japan wrestlers were, like, they were in nice suits. Like, they looked great. They were, like, very professional. They were still in character, but they were just professional. They understood what was going on. And, like, all the hick, fat Americans, like, looked awful. Like, they all had, like, bad, like, misfitting, like, men's warehouse suits. And, like, uh, they they were, like, I think uh, Machine Gun Anderson had, like, a goofy gimmick where, you know, he was wearing like slacks and like some crappy H and M shirt and had like his, his tag team title on backwards. It was just like so embarrassing. Like, uh, JV, I can't stand what this country has become, uh, under Obama. Let's put it that way. Um, JB, we actually, let's shift from New Japan. We actually have a, this show is going to be very scattered all over the place, but we actually have a caller. Uh, we have our on-site correspondent, uh, Justin, who is at the Baltimore show for the Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-view. 
and we're going to get some of uh, his opinions, and I'd love to get some of his opinions on uh, Hogan, too. Justin, are you available? Hey, hello, guys. How are you? Can you hear me? Doing good. Yes, Justin. Hey. Yeah, I can hear you. Hey, how, how's it going, guys? So um, I, I've been listening for a minute, just trying to put my kids to bed, and, uh, you know, I, I definitely enjoy the show. Um. I, I had so much to say. First of all, you guys are going to turn me into uh, a new um, believer in the religion of um, New Japan. You guys are trying really hard to convert me. Um, I've been I've been fighting it. I've been I've been catching little glimpses here and there, and I check out a couple of like little high to um, highlight reels uh, here and there. But uh, the way you guys are talking, you're making me feel like I'm missing out. So. Um, I'm not too thrilled with the Fat American Club, as you as, as you guys put it, but I I think that they're a great they're a great set man. They they rub the crowd you know just the right way to way to get the reaction. So uh, we'll see we'll see if um if you guys can do a good job in evangelizing me to to cross over and take the plunge. Um, well, well, then can I ask you a question real quick? I heard yeah, you, no you were at the you were at the ROH show, right? That's, I um, definitely was. I definitely was there, yeah. Now are you are you like an ROH fan? So, um my boys are. I definitely like ROH. I think um I I'm a big fan of uh, stiffer matches. Um I I I I like it, you know. Um strong style can, matches. Yeah, there we go. You know, I I definitely like when they get a little Heavy, heavy-handed with, with with the interactions, and so sometimes ROH seems to deliver that. Um, and then my boys, I have two sons, and they're huge wrestling fans. They like all of it. They love lucha. They love lucha. They love Prince Puma. They love WWE. And so, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I had opportunity to buy some tickets, and so. It was great. I mean, we had great seats. You know, uh, the entire crowd was totally. It was it was the markiest marks of marks of all marked them in that crowd, and we loved it every minute of it together. You know, we uh, booed the bad guys and cheered the good guys, and we chanted. It was it was a lot of fun, man. So ROH definitely has a product that uh, is carving its own niche, man. It reminds me of the early days, not in style, but just kind of like in this cult following, if you will. It reminds me of uh, the first ECW, kind of in, in its fervor a little bit. So you were, you were a big so, ECW guy too, or no? Yeah, but I, I was younger then. So what's that, like 96 or something like that? Uh, I, was, I was a lot younger. Um, and I, I would, you know, get up in the middle of the night, randomly turn on the TV, and it was this cool, like, bootleg wrestling on, you know, and so me and my cousin, would, we would watch it, and we were so impressed with this, like, little tank of a guy named Taz, and we was like, man, you know, he's so great. Ah, he's the greatest guy ever. And, you know, we loved the trash cans, and, I mean, just everything about it was, was, was real good for us. Yeah, so... ROH is not ECW reincarnated at all, but I'm just saying that in its following, it has followers that reminds me of the ECW period. Do you mind me asking so how, Justin, old, how old your kids are? Are they are they like yeah yeah they, uh, yeah? My kids are eight and ten. Yeah, they're they're oh. eight and ten. So they they love it. Um, they were one of them was trying to convince the other one. He was like, those definitely look like real punches. So he's going through that phase of. 
is wrestling real? Is it fake? That that part's real. That part maybe is not so much. So, you know, I just I stay solid. I let him kind of deal with that whole deal, you know. I I remember speaking of, um, not to take us on too many tangents, but I remember my childhood hero who told me to eat my vitamins and say my prayers, brother. I was watching a video from uh from Blockbuster Video back back in the nineties, uh, maybe a SummerSlam match maybe. And I remember uh, he he put the guy up against the ropes and leaned in and audibly whispered over the freaking VHS tape. And it was almost as if it was almost as if someone told me like those weren't those are not really your parents. You know, I mean, it shattered my <laughs> world. It shattered my world. Um, so I, I'm not gonna do any of that for my kid. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him kind of. Enjoy his space right here, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I if if we have time at the end of me, uh, kind of download share with you guys about ROH. I would love to touch on Hogan if you guys haven't. I know you did. I heard the whole thing, and you know, I heard you say you didn't like him for twenty years, and you know, he's gonna come back eventually. It may take a year or so. Like I, I heard the whole deal. So uh, if you guys feel okay, like the stomach yeah, going, let's uh, gonna... actually. Uh, Justin, sorry to cut you off here, but let's yeah. dive in, into that just a little bit before we get into ROH. Okay. The no first problem. thing I said right off the top of the show mm-hmm. was that was that like me and Jim just by circumstances have it. We were born white, white, <laughs> uh, thirty, you know, early thirties, thirties Americans. Uh-huh. Silver, you know, silver spoon in our mouth. I think uh-huh. that when I think the best thing in the world is to to wake up and see a white penis between your legs. Like, like quite frankly, <laughs> I mean, that's like you're just right, on right, the top right, of right. society. Like every advantage. And one of the right. things that I was saying right. is that that white people, just in general, like even mm-hmm. during this this time, with Hogan, just like everything. I haven't heard one African-American, one black person mention an opinion on this. It's all mm. just other white males sharing their opinions about is Hulk Hogan <laughs> wrong or not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I was just saying at the top of the podcast, like, you know, like every, every white person just shut up about this. And just like uh, let like let some other people talk, and then me and Jim went on to discuss our own opinions for twenty minutes. So so we just proved. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I mean, as okay, just as an African American, give us yeah. some insight. Your for like give us some insight, you, like 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 school us on what. Are you ready like, for uh, this? Are you ready for ready for this scathing analysis? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you, are you ready to, uh, Justin? Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to yeah. represent your entire race right now on our podcast? This, that's the real. That's the real question. I was about to speak for every African American male known no, well, to that's man. That's what we're gonna do here. Yeah. In, in the history of ever. So here's the deal, man. I um. I've been very reluctant to share my opinion on social media uh, ever since the story broke because um, I, I, I just don't want the, you know, fanatic backlash about it. But the, the truth of the matter is I don't even uh, – I, I don't even think – I don't think it was so bad, man. I'm not even offended. Like, I don't even – first of all, so here's where I'm coming from, right? I'm going to speak for – a 
percentage, a, a subset of the African-American male who wakes up and, you know, has never had a white penis between his legs, right? So... I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I can't. <laughs> All right. So uh, I was about to make a size of the matter. What's joke, the worst thing never... that's going to happen to me? What's, what's the worst thing? I lose my job? Oh, big deal. <laughs> One of my white friends get me another job. <laughs> there you go. I'll be fine. There you go. Right? So here's the deal. What I heard, you know, kind of reviewing the, the whole work for work, play by play, was a guy who was very, very angry at his dysfunctional relationship with his daughter. That's what I heard. And then I heard displaced anger at, you know, I can't get but so mad at Brooke, but this inanimate object over here can kind of be, you know, be the receptacle, so to speak, of all of my frustrations. And and I that's, that's, it doesn't excuse the fact. Now, had he said this on a microphone, had he said this, you know, in between shows or, I mean, in between, you know, when the mic was still hot or something like that, he's supposed to be kissing babies and, you know, he's kind of over there with beefcake and, you know, he's over there saying whatever he said. I mean, that's that's very different. But him doing it the way he did it, he in the privacy of his own, I don't know if it was his home or somebody else's home, but... It was behind closed doors, you know, it's after hours. I mean, he was expressing a lot of frustration really about the decisions that his daughter is making. He kind of went on a rant about this unknown third-party guy. Had he been like, that guy Justin, I hate him because he's black, that's one thing. But he's talking about some dude, a black guy. Why couldn't he be a rich black? Like, it didn't make it right. I'm not justified. I'm not saying that he was a saint. But what I'm saying is, as a black male who's dealt with a lot worse than that in my face, in this day and age, you know, I definitely have. I, I absolutely have. Um, I wasn't offended. And it, it, was, it, it made Hogan human, but he's been living his life out in the public eye for so long. And the fact Shane mentioned something about the PR, you know, how PR could have kind of handled this differently. There, quite frankly, and this is my limited opinion, but there would not be a WWE as we know it today had it not been built on the backs of 1980s Super Hulk Hogan. It wouldn't. It wouldn't exist. There would. It wouldn't have been a chance for a Rock or for Stone Cold. The Monday Night Wars happened because of Hogan. Like all, all of that, the cartoons and the lunchboxes. Like wrestling was like a a backyard hillbilly kind of thing back, you know, coming out the 70s. And this guy had the charisma and the personality to launch it, and you don't erase that. You don't block that out over over a misstep. You, you do that to maybe a Scott Hall, maybe, you know, but you don't Benoit. Like, you, somebody gets Benoit, and excuse me for kind of going here, for killing their families and massacring them and, and killing themselves. That's how a guy gets Benoit, at least precedent has shown this. So now you can either massacre your entire family and then commit suicide and smudge the name, or you can get secretly recorded in your home talking after hours. That counts too. That's, if the crime doesn't fit the punishment, I'm not a fan of it. I'm very disheartened by it. So you heard it here first, folks, Barbershop Window Podcast. Racism is okay. Says <laughs> an American man. 
Do you hear this? Do you hear this, Jim? Don't let him do it. Don't let him get away with it. Okay. And I mean, one of the things that I was also saying, and I really think this, I mean, it plays off as comedy, but I really want your opinion, Justin. Like, it plays off as comedy. Like, the WWE corporate headquarters, as as JV noted, is predominantly white. It's all Caucasian. It's Connecticut. And I was making, like, it plays for comedy. I was making, like, a serious point. I think if there were... African Americans there, and they could get like the opinions of black people. Uh-huh. I don't think the the proverbial shit would have hit the fan like this. Yeah, I don't I, know yeah, if you have would, anything yeah. to say, but I think like like I I'm not sure like what. And once again, I'll I'll leave my stupid opinion. Aside, but do you have, <laughs> what do you think about that? Like that I, sort I, of idea. I think like, it's I think on, that's man. a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's spot on. So what happens is in those kind of situations, you want to save as much space as possible, right? So go in, and so they went into panic mode, it seemed like, and they started severing limbs off of the body. Like, you know, everything got to go overboard. And had they had, it, had they had a moment, it seems like a panic just kind of hit the entire corporate office, man. I mean, they just... Like, well, just hit the, like, they just thought with the delete button. Like, that was their mode of thinking. And <laughs> right, I, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what it is. I, yeah. I think if they, you're right, man. I, I think definitely if they had people in higher positions that were not white males with, you know, white penises between their legs, that they definitely could have benefited from, I don't know, I, I don't know, man. And, and they're, you know, there's so many memes floating memes uh, floating around social media, and the the Coco Beware's, the Crime Time, the, the the Junkyard Dogs, the Godfather, the the pimp stuff that we've had. Like, they are such uh, let's promote the stereotypes, let's be borderline, let's be racist. The, I mean, it, it's in it. You know, it's kind of around it. You know, let's give Henry a world title, but let's give him the ECW only after 55 years of being in the business. You know, like, it just, like, they, they got it. I mean, I, I just I can't believe that that much stupidity kind of swept through. It was like, it was a pandemic, man. It just went through everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about. Like, ultimately, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with the WD firing Hulk Hogan and distancing himself from it. And it sounds like a move that I would make. Like, yeah. Like I was even thinking of just like, what if somebody at my company, you know, said this sort of things and was captured on a recording. Like mm-hmm. when it's that close to home, I think my initial reaction would be like, Oh, this guy's got to go. Even maybe even as far as I don't want to work with this guy and I don't want to work at a company that, you know, would like hire a guy like that. I think I'd really feel like that. In fact, I know I would. Would you would you start deleting emails? Would you start like digging through flash, throwing away his flash drives? (laughs) 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 Putting up magnets to my (laughs) to my TV. Right, right. I just scrabbling every, just scrabble all of it, like no trace. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of, yeah, it's just one of those I don't know things. One of the things that I think is funny that's never Uh, brought up is that 
Dean knows the things that I've said to women uh-huh. in, like, sexual situations. I mean, mm-hmm. I've said with straight faces that I was in the FBI and that, <laughs> like, you know, I was undercover. <laughs> like, like, I mean, and you got a sense that, like, ah, I'm going to get with this girl, this this lady's racist. Right. Right, and you right. know the only way, that, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, greatly increase my chance of sleeping with women if I am perceived as a racist. I love going it. down that road. Yeah, it's like good. It's probably happening. Like, and nobody's bringing that up either. Right? Um, yeah. Wasn't this the same chick that he was on the video? Uh, didn't he sue her like before this for? Uh, defamation of character or something like that because she leaked the tape. Was, was, yeah. Did, isn't this the same chick? It's and, the same chick? And so, he got, so he got over that, was having a personal conversation with her, and she still put out the recording device. Like, she was like, I'm, I think it was from the same sex tape. Like, it was after, oh. like, a post-coitus type situation. <laughs> <laughs> like just insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how long are you into it? Yeah, yeah. If I can add some color to this, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> color, color color I saw what you hey. did there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like that? All right. The, uh, yeah. So the so the the reason why the CV came out is because uh, the site the Gawker Gawker site mm-hmm. released the Hulk Hogan sex tape, but only like a minute of it. So okay. So you could see that that delicious penis, and uh, <laughs> right, right, that we've uh, been stuck on. We we love it here, right? Okay, come on. But apparently, yeah. So what happened in, in you know in a, in, a, in the case of a hundred million dollar lawsuit and discovery uh-huh. and all that? There's tapes and like more than just that one tape, and mm-hmm. within those tapes is where like he's yeah he's confiding in the same woman and oh, saying okay, these type okay. of things. So. Who, did she record? I don't mean to take us back this far. Did she record all of this stuff with his knowledge? Did was it all unaware? Like was he posing for the tape? Like how did how, was he pressing play record? Like how, how did, do we know? I didn't I didn't get to see any of the deliciousness. How was it? Okay, okay. so his so that lady's got. I just had like a little mini laughing fit where I couldn't cause uh-huh. I'm just recalling all this. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it like is. you can't even. So that guy, okay. So that the lady that Hogan was sleeping with, her husband is that radio personality, Bubba the Love Sponge. Yeah, 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 the Love Sponge. Yeah. Who I don't know him from a ham sandwich. Like I don't know who uh-huh. the hell that guy is, but I guess he, he was on T N A for a while. That's what I know, but I don't know like his radio work. So uh-huh. I guess he pimps out his wife to his friends. Oh, I didn't know he God. does that. He, ah, rock. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a cuck, as they call it. <laughs> a cuckold. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So Hogan wasn't even wrong. He was just doing normal business with this guy. Like this is, hey, listen. Okay, I'm listening. But what's funny is what this boils down to is this. Can you think of a more white trash redneck scenario ever. <laughs> I mean like this wife sharing racist comments on video like you couldn't write this. Like the WWE writers definitely could not right, write this. Right. And you'd have to Maybe find like very talented 
Yeah, you'd have to have, like, very talented writers to even, like, come close to coming up with this story. Which is great. And find, like, more, like, low-rent, like, like, it's just a shame, man. And you know what? I, you know, there's a part of me that, like, that just, where it's just, like, I, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but I feel bad for Hogan in a way, you know? I do. I absolutely do. Because, okay, he's like, because we know about Hogan. He's a liar. He, he, he's constantly lying. He's like a uh-huh. terrible person. But, I mean, all it stems from is just like his massive inferiority complex. And he's got yeah. such, like, he cares so much about other people's opinion. Like, he's crushed, man. He is yeah. just crushed, like, after all this. And what's funny is, like, this, my honest belief is, I'll, I'll stop rambling. What's funny is, mm-hmm. He's really like all the evidence in the locker room, whatever, is that he really supported like the black athletes, like yeah, like yeah. throughout his career, yeah. So it's like you know, that. yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what one, one spoke out, one black athlete spoke out, and now I must admit I was rather disappointed with his take on it. Um, it was, it was the world's strongest man. And uh, he spoke, he, he gave a statement. He was like, I've been asked several times. And I, did you guys see that? Did, did, you, did you see it, Jim? <clears throat> Mark Henry, yes. Yeah. Did you see his statement about this whole, whole bit? I saw something about him, but I also have seen Mark Henry at a strip club in the Bronx. So. That is awesome. He spoke out about it, and basically his point was, he said he don't, he doesn't make statements about this stuff. You know, this is not what he <laughs> this is not what I do. He doesn't get paid, you know, to make these kind of uh, commentary analysis when this stuff happens. He said he said, but I'll just say this in light that I've had so many calls and requests to speak about it. I'll say that I was disappointed to learn. You know, I've had my own run-ins with the company and with you know other athletes. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, he was like, I was disappointed to learn that somebody I would consider a friend would kind of go this route. I mean, he called him Terry. He was like, I, I didn't know think to Terry. You know, I didn't think he would do that. And I'm glad that the WWE took um, swift action. I, I'm forgetting his word for word, but basically he was like, in light of that it looks so bad, I am not disappointed that they moved so swiftly to respond. And that was his statement. And the way the statement I read it, as somebody who's run into him not at the strip club but at the Dallas Fort was Airport myself, um, I was disappointed that it sounded like he was, you know, judge judge dread, you know, like jury executioner, like the whole bit with with Hogan, and I, I just feel like he hasn't had a chance at all, you know, because poor Hogan, he hasn't had a chance as a white male, <laughs> you know, you know, but, but well, I mean, I mean okay, that's a white male for the last thirty. Years. <laughs> <laughs> That's your perspective as an African-American man. My perspective on Mark Henry's is that his yeah. opinion carries so much more weight than mine. Like, that's, okay. that's my perspective. Like, and I okay. won't, like, his opinion, like, his opinion means much more than me. That's gotcha. my perspective. But, Jim, I assume the strip club you're talking about, the Sue's Rendezvous, maybe? Was that it? No, no, no. It was uh, Sin oh. City. Oh, 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 sorry. Where? <laughs> <laughs> a 
of all the strip clubs I frequent in the Bronx. If you haven't jumped in a cab after a Yankee game and asked where the New York strip club is, you know exactly where Sin City is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, at Sue Romney booth... That was during WrestleMania week, by the way, the year the, uh, they had it at the, uh, the Metal Labs. Oh. Oh. Interesting. And, they, and, and how was his behavior there? Oh, very classy. Like, I... I I walked to him like an idiot. Like, I, I did. I was, I, did. Proud, I was proud to be here, be there with it. I was proud to be there. <laughs> I was like, oh, Mark Henry comes it. here. Like, this is a good place. The He just clapped it up. He clapped the joint up. Just that, you know, it's credit. Absolutely. He almost, he almost slapped the, the face off of my face when I saw him in the airport. He was, I, I, was, I called him. Yeah, he did, man. We were so he's first of all, he's a big freaking guy. He's walking through the through the airport and I see him and I'm like, Oh, I I, I marked the out. You know, I don't know I don't know how you guys sleep on your show, so I just kinda of self censored there. You know. Um, uh, but thank anyway, God I, this is an XL channel, so you can curse <laughs> all you want. Well, we weren't talking about delicious penises, so I mean I guess it's not <laughs> I guess that's our but so I marked out, man. I mean, I, I told him, I was like, oh, my, in my in my mind, in myself. But in myself, the fanboy in me was, like, running laps. I was like, oh, my God, it's Mark Henry. So I was like, I was like, Mr. Henry, you know, and I'm kind of, you know, 10 steps, 20 steps behind. I'm like, Mr. Henry. And I know he hears me, right? I know he hears me. It's not a crowded area where it is. I said, like, Mr. Henry. Then I was like, Mark. I kind of got up close. I was like, Mark. He, he turned around. Change and he turned around and he looks at me kind of out the side of his eye. He's like, I hear you. He was so pissed off that I had called him that many times and that he was trying wow. to ignore me. And that I, he was like, I hear you. And I was like, Oh, I was like, No, I'm sorry, man. I just, you know, I just, I, just, I, I, I like your work. I'm a fan of what you do. You know, I just want to say hello. And then he looked at me and he kind of was like, like he kind of threw his hand, like, I'm not even mad at you. He's like, I'm just trying to catch this flight, man. And I was like, I, I, try, I don't even know if I shook his hand or what, but um, he's as big as he looks. He's a, am I right? Is, is he? Is he really? He's really that big. He's like a big lump of person. It's a big guy, yeah. But he he didn't he didn't feel like any fanboys that day. He, he that wasn't what he was looking for. But yeah, no, I I mean that's all really. I mean one of the things I thought. Uh, JB was going to say Sue's Rendezvous, which is mm-hmm. also a strip club that I've been to. You know, not many times. I'm not like a strip club guy. Um, right. Not oh, that yeah. I'm judging at all. Yeah, but it's uh, where actually I used to go and watch Amber Rose. A strip. Oh, wow. Oh, I, didn't, I, I, didn't know that, I didn't know that she cut her teeth. Okay, well, then there yeah. you go. Yeah, and I think this almost brings us full circle because if there's any girl that can unify white and black people, it's Amber Rose. Correct? Can we agree on that? You mean in a threesome? I, I'm, I'm trying to. Where are you going with this? Oh no, I just meant for mutual respect and admiration. That's what I meant, Chris. That's that's totally what I meant. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I meant, baby. Great. Okay, good, good. Okay, so can we put the Hogan thing to bed? And um, unless there's any, okay, yeah, unless there's any closing remarks 
um, on it. I think we all got our word out. And let's just, I, we have to end this podcast pretty soon. But in, in closing, I really want to hear about the, uh, we didn't touch on any of the things that we should have touched on, but that's uh, what happens when your childhood hero is exposed as a, as a racist. Right. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to hear about was just the ROH show. And do you mind, I'm just going to shoot yeah, some man. questions at go, you. Go, absolutely. Um, okay, go. great. So one of the things, what, how many people, okay, wait, where was the actual show? Was it in Baltimore proper? It was or? in Baltimore proper. It was in Baltimore proper. Uh, it's a little spot called the, it's a pavilion. I forget, the William something pavilion. Um, okay. It, 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 less than a thousand capacity. Uh, yeah, I, I would say a thousand is probably like its max capacity. And they thousand, okay, about, okay. And they about packed it out. It was, it was standing. It was, it was, it was hot. Oh, geez, I think they they didn't pay the air the the air conditioning bill, man. So it was very hot, very packed, very loud. Did, did you got to the pay per view at all? Did you watch any of the show? I watched uh, the. Well, I hate to sound like I come into the podcast unprepared, but the only match that I really watched was the one that I sought out. Which was uh-huh. Adam Page and ACH. Oh, I'm a nice he, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Adam Page. I yeah. think that guy's a star. I remember first seeing him, not thinking much of him, but uh-huh. he's very subtle in the yeah. way he plays that heel role, and very deceptive in terms of strength and just agility. Like when yeah. he does that, he does that shooting star press off the apron. Yeah. It's really unbelievable. Like I hate like, like sounding like a mark, but that, that's a crazy move for a guy his it size. Is. It is. Yeah. It was uh, a good match. I, I didn't get to finish all of it uh, because that's when my kids decided that you know they absolutely needed everything to eat and drink at that point. So the last, <laughs> the last half of that particular match, believe it or not, I didn't get to finish. It was, it was cool. Um, I wasn't impressed with AC. I was I was impressed with JB. There were parts that I was impressed with. Um, I'm blanking on the guy because I'm not a I'm not a total you know uh, you know huge huge fan of of ROH, but I do like the product. But what is the guy's name? They they call him the Peacock. I think it's like Dalton or Oh Dalton what, Castle. What's his name? <laughs> Dalton Castle. Castle. Oh, he's phenomenal. He's a great worker. He, he he is a phenomenal performer. He's a great entertainer. He's a phenomenal storyteller. He seems like he works safe. The little fanboys that he has, I don't even know the little junior peacock he has with him. The boys. The boys. The boys. The boys. The boys. The, oh, yeah. oh, the whole gimmick. It's great, dude. It was it was phenomenal. It, it was good. Right. And, you know, yeah. It was. That, so, that, okay. That so, was high, high, yeah. Yeah. And how sorry, was the – yeah, okay, so so Dolphin Castle was a big highlight. Uh, you, you didn't catch much of the page ACH. How – okay, so how was the Iron Man match received? So for the, the listeners, the, don't the know, the last. big match in that – yeah, was the, the Iron Man match between Jay Lethal and um, – So, Jay, it was, it was a great match. Um, Jay Lethal is a guy that I hate to love or love to hate or whatever, whatever – whatever order you want to take that. I really don't like Jay. I, I, 
I don't think I've ever seen his true personality ever from TNA to ROH. I'm, I don't even know who this guy really is. I think oh, we, we've seen him. Always... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've this, seen it. Is this more Sue Rendezvous? Is this, is this another Sue Rendezvous story, Amber Rose? Story? This was uh, Justin. Go back and listen to uh, – I can tell you're a real true fan of the podcast. Uh, go back and listen to um, – our, our review of the ROH show in New York, and we have a, okay. an up close personal story with uh, Jay Lee. I got um, it. I but got anyway, it. I'm on yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Good, good, good. But tell us about that it match. Was a, quick. Yeah. It was a it was a great match. Um, Jay is a really good worker, in my opinion. He really knows what he's doing. Uh, he's really good at getting under the crowd skin when he needs to, or being a a great face when he needs to. Um, it was. It was good. I, I, my biggest takeaway from that match, I didn't mind it being long. I, I, I'm not, I was, I'm cool with that. Um, my problem is the way the match ended. It didn't look like, whoa, they wrestled so long. Like you know, Iron Man, the sixty minutes are up. It literally looked like a page boy ran from the back and was like, boss, boss, we, we're out of pay-per-view time. We, didn't, we can't pay for any more. Like, you know, mm, that's what it looked like. It, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. looked like that. And it, and to me, I mean, the, they rang the bell in the middle of the match. It was somebody, you know, the ref, the guy sitting on the, the commentator, somebody said had a mic in their ear kind of being cute, like, hey, these guys, somebody need to give them the seven-minute mark. So we need to do the do the move and get up out of there. You know, let's let's lethal inject this dude and or whatever, whatever the way we're gonna do with the interference, bring Moose out, bring Silas out, something. None of that happened. It totally looked like a fumble from my where I was sitting, and that to me is the mark of a of an institution that's gonna stay in the junior leagues. Like that's that's like some rookie stuff that that you do. You know, you don't do it at their level. They've been around too long, and that it's. Almost unforgivable, not unforgivable that I didn't watch it, but I'm always going to question it now, like, geez, guys, pay-per-view, really? Like, gosh, really? I didn't love it, but the match itself was a great match. But people were, the crowd was red hot for it. Like, there, there was chance of yeah. match for yeah, the yeah, year yeah. and everything. Did, or, wait, is that the way it appeared? Shit, I shouldn't have led you. I'm doing a very bad job of interviewing. But the, what, what was the crowd was, what was the crowd like during that match? The, like, the, good, the good thing about it is that my penis, although it's not white, is still very firm in itself. And so your leading <laughs> questions don't sway me much. Um, I, I, the, the crowd was hot for it, man. It was, it, we loved it. I mean, when I tell you, it was, I said cult following earlier, and I missed every bit of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, we yeah. booed, we hated, we hated all of the badness. We loved, and then there's, there's a subset of guys that are going to go against the grain anyway. So there's a subset of guys there that booed all, I mean, that booed all of the faces and cheered with every time the bag I wanted. You know, and, yeah. and that makes that just adds to it. Um, one of the things that I don't know if it showed up, and I don't even know if you guys care about this, but something that came out of that is uh, was Twinkies. Do you mind if I share the Twinkie story? Is it? I don't want to run this out of time, but it was on the West. So the West for the Iron Man match is a very chubby, chubby, fat, rotund, sloppy white guy ref. And so yeah, we know that ref very well. Yeah. So every time he, he counted out 
uh, one, you know, they're out of the ring, he's on the count or whatever. It started, we started, I don't know if they always do this, but they, it kind of struck up here. He's like, one, Twinkies, two, Twinkies. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. He was getting flustered. His voice was cracking. You know, it was it was the best thing, man, but it felt like a big family. The RA show, man, talked about a moose. The crowd went wild for moose. Um, but the crowd loves Moose. Is, oh, wait, Moose is over, right? He's a star, right? This Moose is, is over. The, Moose is yeah. over. Moose is over. Uh, Cedric is over. The guy that he that he that he fought against. Cedric is over. That whole storyline, that thing went really well. The Briscoes. I kind of had my little Mark moment. I really, really liked the Briscoes a lot, um, especially um, Jay Briscoe. I, I think he's the truth. I think he's the truth, man. So, um, you know, the Briscoe sure match. I'm sure they like you a lot. I know, right? Yeah, that's a good guy. <laughs> Hillbilly, your headmates, right? But I love I love the Briscoes, What's man. What's very funny is they're marketed from Maryland, right? It's not even a very <laughs> hick state. Like, right. That's there's, where some, going there's some yeah. areas. There's some areas of Maryland that they're like, hey, oh, you know, I like, know, I know, brother. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're windows I, up. I know. There's some really hiccups, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, so, yeah, man. they could have been from anywhere. They could have been right, from anywhere. Right, exactly. But no. Uh, uh, Maryland, other tickets from Death Valley, of course, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. It was really good. I would I would definitely go again. I definitely think the DVD, DVD is worth getting. RPG, the crowd loved those guys. The four-way tag team match was a great hit. Oh, great spots all through that thing. And those just guys the amount are awesome. Those guys are yeah. Vice. Those guys are awesome. The, the, yeah, those. JB, they, like, they're great. I didn't, JB, I wouldn't have expected you for a Rapongi Vice sort of guy. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, sometimes I surprise you. I know. Yeah. yeah you sure do. But I wouldn't you say, yeah, yeah, no, they're good. I I don't I I mean I liked it. What what do you like about them so much? Because I like like I just think they're very odd tag team. Like like how Trent Barretta like starts the match, and uh, then the guy that comes in is like the much smaller, more diminutive like carrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, not even that deep into it as far as that goes. It's just every match I've seen with them, it's only been like three or four. It's been like yeah. very very good, like really good. Yeah, it was it was it was as good as JB. I totally agree. It was as good. It, what what match are we missing? We did the four way. We did Moose and Cedric. We did ACH and and, and uh, Paige. We did. No, yeah, uh, yeah. Justin, if you don't mind, what I really want to ask you because I yes. that's my feeling. And um, and we went to the Terminal Five show in New yeah. York, the World Show, and I felt like I watched that. I was in that in that crowd. Um. I felt like very uncomfortable within that crowd, and I, it, it that? reminded me a lot of how I, I used to go to a lot of ECW shows, and I uh-huh. would never bring my kids to an ECW show. Uh-huh. But ROH, I don't feel as at all near like what the ECW was. But I, I uh-huh. just, I'm curious to hear like if if you felt any uncomfortability at all with your kids being there. No, actually, I didn't. I, there were a couple of kids there. Um, there were a couple of gr- little girls there, not, you know, like seven- and eight-year-old, ten-year-old girls and stuff with a whole bunch of moms and women and stuff like that, a couple of hot chicks in the crowd. It, it wasn't bad. Whoa, it wasn't whoa, a PG show. I don't believe that at all. 
I don't. I, I was, listen, listen, listen. They stood out. It was like, whoa. Actually, there was one sitting in front of me, and when I went to go get my kids during the page match, when I went to go get the pizza and the hot dogs, whatever else I got, she just so happened to also need it then. So I may have had a conversation or two with her about the choice of chocolate selections at the ROH event. I may or may not have engaged her around those topics. It's possible. I don't recall. My memory's a little foggy. Right. But I, right. It was. It was nice, man. It was. It, I, I, it's not a PG show, JB. You're, you're right. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not a PG show. But it's not. You know, rated R superstar in the middle of the ring type stuff. It, it no, was, no, no. Well, I, I definitely didn't get the feel at all. It was like those old ECW days in like the nineties. Right. Like it wasn't like that. But I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I wondered about that. Also, great. Hey guys, thanks for having me, man. I'm a, I'm gonna get out of here, man. I appreciate. It. I love, I love it, man. I love to talk. I'll try to listen yeah, well, more and. Definitely, we actually yeah. have to end. But Justin, I'd love it if you'd call back, you know, occasionally and be our, uh, you know, maybe our uh, ROH live correspondent go. or our, uh, yeah, our African American like white person set straight. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you can I'll serve give you guys like these Okay, so Listen, we're going to actually three hundred thousand a year, three hundred k. So sign me up, but three hundred thousand a year, I'm in. I'm in. I would, that can't be arranged. What the call the spade is spade right here. But we're actually going to end the show right here. So I'll just say uh, thanks everyone for listening. A little abbreviated show this time, but we'll hit everyone up soon. Thank you so much, Justin, for uh, you thanks, know guys. calling no in problem. to the podcast and giving your commentary. Thanks, uh, JB. Follow us at ShaneWinter14 on Twitter. JB, you want to give out? Yeah, yeah, just Jim Parr on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone, and we will be back with new podcasts very soon. Have a great one. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.